My guest today, J.V. Hilliard, is author of the Warminster series. Book one is available right now. It's called The Last Keeper. And he talks to me about all of the different ways that you can use earned media to advertise and to grow your brand as an author. You don't want to miss his tips on how to use rural communities to grow your following. I'm not going to blather on too much more. You know the usual stuff. If you enjoy what I'm doing here, don't worry about rating, but do hit the follow button on my podcast so that you know every time I release an episode. And if you do me the favor of sharing it with a friend who's an author on the cusp of publishing their first novel, that's what we're all about here is new authors who want to learn marketing tips so that they can sell more copies of their books and actually make a living as a writer. What a novelty. I hope you enjoy my conversation with J.V. Hilliard. Welcome to The Reluctant Book Marketer, the podcast for first-time novelists who want to sell millions of copies of their book. I'm your host, Jody J. Sperling, and like you, I am on the journey to publication. So together, we're going to learn from professionals in the industry who have aced marketing and made it so that it's not cringeworthy all the time. I'm reluctant to do it as well, but selling a million copies and not marketing don't fit. So we got to do what we got to do. I am a niche author, right? So I, I write toward the fantasy adventure, sword and sorcery, sci-fi fan. Uh, and many of those, I mean, you just can't find them on the street, but you know where to go to find them, right? So you you find them at places like this past Saturday, I was at a, a it was National Comic Book Day. And uh, you, there are several hundred people that came through the doors at a local comic book store. So we we contrived a way for me to be at the front door, um, you know, and I was I was part of that. And you get a chance to meet those folks. You ask them to, to uh, sign up to your, your e-newsletter and you reach out to them. Uh, and have conversations with them. And all of them are interested in some capacity, whether if they're a sci-fi person and they're trying to translate over into fantasy adventure, many of us do the same thing. I have a tendency to, to like both fantasy and, and sci-fi. And then there are the gamers, you know, the folks that are out there that like the game genre. Uh, and that could be role-playing games. Uh, that could be video games. That could be tabletop games in many respects. Um, and even some cosplay and by way of example, at this comic book store, there was the 501st Battalion of the Stormtroopers from Star Wars that were there, uh, along with Count Duco. And, and, and it was, you know, you get them to come out and they bring kids that are interested and therefore their parents are going to be interested. And my, my books have a tendency to be like YA ready. You know, this is for a high-end YA reader, you know, all the way through adult. Uh, and so reaching out to them, I find it being incredibly helpful to be where they are so nerd conventions right you know let's go to the geekathons like they you know the the comic cons you know here in pittsburgh it's the steel city cons comic cons uh other kind of sci-fi valley cons i've, I've been to those things because you get a concentrated group of people and there's only one degree of separation between them and the next group of people that you want to sell to so i have found that they are more than willing uh to not only pass along your book uh but also pass along uh, anything else that you give them. So, um, you know, whether it's, you know, a referral to another author or a different project that you're working on, uh, they're very loyal and they build it over a period of time. And that's why I think you see a lot of series as opposed to standalone books in my genre. 
So talk to me a little bit about the cost of, of going to different Comic-Cons and different cons. There is an upfront cost to all of these, you know, whether it's a smaller con uh, and you can get in for 50 bucks, 75 bucks, a hundred bucks, and you get a table or two for that, or some of the larger, more populous cons that you're going to be looking at 350, $450, depending on what city you're in. Uh, but there's sunken cost to that too. Sometimes it's better to give away a book to somebody in order to hook them into the series. Uh, and so you have to weigh those pros and cons uh, when, when you're doing that. Uh, I find that if you calculate it out, and, and my book is a 1995 uh, you know, US dollar amount, you know, you calculate that out and say, all right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to sell X amount of books. And my experience at each of these cons in the past tell me that number's got to be at least X to break even, 2X, 3X that you're hoping that you can make money on. Uh, but ultimately there are times where, you know, I even I give tchotchkes away. One of the things I found was uh, I think it's the old uh, you know, panhandler theory, which is um the people that made the money during the gold rush weren't the people looking for the gold, they were the ones selling the pans. Uh, you know, and so you, what I did was, you know, I noticed that the comic book fair or these cons is people are carrying around stuff that they bought and they're usually either collectible items or merchandise and or their comic books or books. And so I created a, a very, you know, thin but inexpensive uh, vinyl, you know, book bag that I give to everybody. And even if I see them and they're carrying two or three and they're not buying my stuff, on the back, it has jvhilliard.com written on it, and they're carrying it around with them. And people will see that as well as other things that I think people will use and see. And, and I, I know we've gotten away from the era of mouse pads and, and other kind of like jump drives and, and USB stuff. But end of the day, I've found that there is a cost, both in opportunity and in cost of goods sold, that you have to calculate in in the hopes that book one translates into 4X for by the time you get to book three or four. Um, so, you know, I'm prepared to do that. I think authors need to treat their product as, you know, them, their books are their product and they are their brand. And I think that helps when you make a business decision, whether or not you're buying that table there, knowing that even if you break even and you spend a couple of hours there on, on a Friday and a Saturday or a Sunday, um, at the end of the day, you're, you're going after loyal readers and you want to pull them back for the next and you won't have to meet them at a con next time. They'll be on your email list and you'll get them for free, you know, just by pinging them uh, with that. And I think that, that that's just something you have to recognize as an entrepreneur and, and treat your, your product that way. So I've got a great episode coming up here shortly on email lists, so I'm not going to dive too deep into it, but you mentioned it, and I think that it's an important piece of what you're talking about for the in-person work that you're doing, gathering those email addresses. Do you find that there's resistance to getting somebody to sign a form? What is the best way to lower the resistance to get somebody to say, I want to be on your email list in an in-person event like a con? Yeah, so I think that there's a there's a couple of uh, barriers there. One of which is many authors, I am not one of them, but many authors have a tendency to be introverted, and they'll sit back and they'll wait for people to approach them. I have the opposite approach. I am Tony Robbins, right? Like I'm going to be in their face, telling them about my stuff. I invite them over to the table and I give them something. Uh, and that bag, which cost me ninety cents to make and give them, they're going to be able to use. People are going to see it. They're going to drive to the table. Uh, and then once you give them something and you ask them in return for just an email address, they can ignore them all. You know, they can put me, they can block me after the first one. But at the end of the day, it's not like you're just walking by saying, hey, give me your email address for free. I'm here. 
here's a book, whether it's discounted, free, or, or at cost, and then here's a bag. And oh, by the way, let me tell you a little bit about this. And I'm a local author. And as you're talking to them, they warm up and there's, there's a trust level that comes with that, I think. Um, and I also think that they tell you about them. Like I, you know, my experience at some of these cons is they want to talk to you as much as you want to talk to them. It's not often that they find a published author uh, or it's not often, um, you know, that they're there except for you know, once or twice a year when they go to these shows and they want to tell you about their work. Uh, this past week I had, you know, a woman come up to me that talked to me about her poetry, you know, and I'm, the, I'm up about as far away from poetry as you can get. Right. But I spent time talking to her about it. And, you know, she was coming to a, a book function for me later in the week and, you know, just emailed me tonight about it. And I didn't even know it, but that's that loyalty thing. I also think that what I've tried to do is get them something that pops in their face. I bought a couple of very inexpensive banners uh, that have the coat of arms for, or the sigils from all the houses in my fantasy adventure novel. And when people see that sitting behind me, it, that pops and they're going to come over and want to take a look at that. I also got a, like a, you know, a mat that has a, a, a map on it from my realm and people come over just to take a look at that, especially when you're in these cons, because you're not just dealing with authors, you're dealing with artists of all types. Um, so the poetess that came to my table uh, on Saturday is going to be different than the person who designed my sigils, but they're all going to come out. Um, and it's a matter of what am I going to catch them with? Am I going to catch them with kindness? Am I going to catch them with the freebie? Am I going to catch them with the thing that sits behind me that pops and catches them and comes over? And I think all of those things are ways to pull uh, people in. And if you just give them the courtesy of talking to them, in most instances, you find out you've disarmed them and they're willing to, uh, you know, to, to write that, that email address down for you. And, and your hope is that, you know, you, you get a rate of return on that when you send them for the, for the next buy. You started the conversation with cons and, and in-person events. Do you feel like that is your primary way to reach your readers? Or do you have one thing that works the very best for you to get new readers? Uh, the very best is social media. Uh, number one, it's free, save for the time that you have to put into it to do it. And if you do it well and you build it over time, there are people on there that are loyal followers. They're going to, they respond to you. There are people that I have never met uh, that will retweet and like anything I send out. And in return, you try to do that for them too, right? You're building, you know, kind of, you know, I, I see it all the time, especially on Twitter, the hashtag writers lift um, or, you know, you know, any of the kind of like the writer hashtags that people follow, or you join various focus groups within uh, Facebook or, or like the bookstagram and the bookish types and you find them and you bring them uh, in. And if you're there and you're active in that community, people will buy your stuff just to support you because they know that you're supporting them because cons can get expensive. You can't just go to the ones that are around you. You've got to go where the readers are and in many of the larger ones, or, you know, if you're building a brand, you could, you could go and to, to, to visit some of the smaller ones and just hope to pick up, you know, 30 or 40 sales while you're there you know, as long as it makes sense for you to do that, but now you're calculating in, you know, the time it takes to be in a car in many instances or a plane in some instances, you know, overnight stays. And that's a lot of sales. Uh, and for a guy like me, that's a debut author, I don't have much to sell. So I'm there flashing, right? Hey, you expect this to come from me. Uh, and I've found that people that even go to some of the cons have told me that, you know, unless you have at least two books, don't come. It's not going to be worth your time. So I've listened to some of that. 
and you know, and I, you put in the downtime, you build the social media base, and all of that is free except for your time. And you can do that at eleven o'clock at night. You can do it on the weekends, whenever people are going to notice it. And people are using. You could be selling stuff all around the globe. Like today, I, I just sold a book into Spain. Um, you know, I sent. I've sent books to Malaysia. I've sent books to uh, Serbia, like places where I never thought people would buy my book. And they're buying it. And, and a lot of that is found. I would not have found them if it were not for social channels. You have something great to say about earned media. Talk to me a little bit about that. That's right. And maybe that comes from, you know, my professional life. I do a lot of earned media as part of that, whether it's, you know, on advocacy or or you're, you're trying to get someone to, to, to sell or participate in something. And so you see the value of earned media over a variety of different uh, uh, media. Uh, some of that can come when you're somewhere and you get a chance to speak in front of somebody, be on a panel, um, you know, volunteer to go on that, that blog or, uh, you know, write a virtual whatever. And you're, you're going to see results from that. You might not sell 50 books or 100 books. You might sell five or two or even one. Uh, but the time that you put in there is going to that that pays off down the road. And I think the social media stuff, uh, I've done press releases for the for the smallest of things. And sometimes you get coverage. Like I'll tell you one thing that's a, I've, I've found out when you're in a large city, there's a lot to do. Now that's not a mystery. So when you put out a press release in a city, like by way of example, I live in Pittsburgh, you know, you put out as no one's going to cover that. But the minute you go outside the County, uh, for example, I'm doing a, uh, uh, in, in October, I'm doing a, a show uh, for it's the Beaver County Libraries Association or whatever it is. And they're having, it's a, it's a big day. It's one big event. They have it with the community college. Their local press is going to be there, right? And it's not a large county, 110, 120,000 people. Uh, but ultimately it's a big deal. Or I'm going to the Apollo Library. There, I'll have more people there than I will in the city of Pittsburgh because there's less to do. And so this is a social outlet for these folks. And so you'll get coverage in those local papers. You take that stuff and you translate that onto your website. You put that on your, your news and events. You tell people where you're going, use those tools. And as long as you're vigilant about it, you know, I think people pick up on that stuff and they expect it. And then you get invited to be on guest shows. You don't have to be reaching out to folks and saying, hey, I, you know, are you interested in interviewing me? People will reach out to you and say, hey, he, I've seen his stuff. He has good content. Let's pull him in uh, and do this. That is an exceptional perspective. Get outside of the big cities and and go after some of the outlying um, towns that, that surround the cities and you have a, a smaller pond where you can grab some attention and use that to create a little bit of momentum. For somebody who's thinking that sounds like a perfect idea, tell me, how do you start doing that? How do you book your first event? You know, it's it's like a land war in Asia, man. It's, it is attrition. Uh, you have to pick up the phone. It's a contact sport. Uh, or you email them. And in many instances, you can find that information online, right? You go to their websites, you contact their event coordinator or their adult program officer, and you explain to them what you're doing. And whether you're writing uh, sword and sorcery kind of stuff like I'm doing, or you're writing a memoir or a business book, there's a couple of draws that come into that. Number one, uh, you've reached out and you're now content for them. They get to fill a void where they can say, hey, he's going to bring 10 people or 20 people or 50 people into this library on this date, that's good for them. That's something they can log as something that they're doing. Secondly, um, you know, in many instances, you, because you're a local author, 
that's enough of a draw. You know, people want to come out and see, hey, this is the guy down the street or the guy across the border who lives across the bridge. I'm going to go see him. And how did he do what he wants to do? And you'll be surprised on how many silent people in the audience come up to you afterward and they say, I want to write a book too. Or I, I have this idea for a novella, or what do I do? And you just give them that advice. And even if they don't read their your stuff, they'll buy it because they, they they're now invested in you or they like you genuinely, right? You know, and I think you can get away with that a lot more in some of the small towns um, and some of the outliers as opposed to some of the bigger cities where there's a, a cosmopolitan push to get you out the door, like the next guy up and next guy, you can't have a chance to chat. Even when I'm signing a book, I did something. I, I literally I made a well, I made a stamp. It looks like it's in the seal of a dragon and it's my uh, certificate of authenticity. So when I sign a book, I carry around a, an inkwell and I dip this and I punch it in and people are like, whoa, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's, it's a novelty thing. But at the end of the day, you're, while you're there and you're doing this, I'm signing and I'm asking them how to spell their name. I'm asking them what their favorite X is, you know, while signing the book. Um, you know, and, you know, like at the comic book show, what's your favorite you know, comic book or what's, who's your favorite superhero? And people will talk to you and then you're sitting there doing that and it's an experience for them. Uh, and they leave thinking, well, that's really cool. This guy signed in and he had, I, well, I wish I could have made it like a wax seal. It just takes too long and too complicated. So this thing, it fit in pretty well. And it's those little gadgety things that people will remember. And I think that will help in, you know, future sales when you, when you, when you bring them in the door. David Sedaris uh, is famous and well-known for writing profane and horrible things when he signs books for people. <laughs> it's kind of a similar idea is you're, you're creating another idea of, hey, I'm a brand. Uh, and, and someone is more likely to say, I went to see uh, J.V. Hilliard read and he has a stamp that he signs his books with. Yeah. And then suddenly now there's name recognition and sort of an expectation that, that excites people and it's easier to spread word of mouth. What do you think the impact of word of mouth is on your sales right now? And how do you try to build that uh, moving forward? Um, so it varies, right? I, I think that the truthful answer is I'm small potatoes right now. Uh, I think word of mouth is necessary. That comes with many different businesses too. I mean, if you do well, your product sells well, you present well to folks, uh, you do all those kind of things that will that will build and people will talk about that stuff. And, and you know, in this past convention, in this weekend, I mean, I made 70 sales. I paid zero for the table. That's all profit, right? That's stuff like for me, save for the five and a half hours I spent there on a Saturday afternoon. What else was I going to be doing? I'd be writing, you know what I mean? If college football were on, I'd be watching college football, but it's it wasn't. So for me, I was it was an investment in my private time. I put it in. People see that and they care that you care. They care that I was there for their dollar, you know, comic book day. Uh, and why is this guy here? He's not selling a comic book. I should go and see him and talk to him and find out why he's here. And it's because of the relationship that's there. And I think you build those with vendors. They'll tell other people. I had another comic book store say, hey, if you're doing it for this chain, can you come and do it for my boutique? Um, and I've already got people reaching out to me. And that's the word of mouth that you talked about. It's just going to take a while to get there until it goes viral, right? So it's just, it's just you got you to put in the time and do it. Yeah. So I noticed that uh, when I first started Twitter, it was literally, and, and, and this is similar to word of mouth, but um, when I started it, every single 
anything that I had was me creating it. I had to create responses by figuring out how to talk to people about the things that they were interested in and provoke them with questions and get the conversation rolling. And I've gotten to a place now close to 10,000 followers where I nurse Twitter a couple times a day. I go on, I find, especially I find my people. I don't necessarily look for the the new people coming in because they're coming in regardless, but I look for my people that I have conversed with for, for the time that I've been on there. And I try to answer their questions and respond and react and interact with them. And that sustains the process. So that's the, the, the brilliance of word of mouth. Even if it is back to that social media idea, if you've got your people and you keep them happy, they will take care of the rest for you in this really strange, but organic and wonderful way. Yeah. No, and, and take it even a step further and use your Goodreads account. Like if you have an author account on Goodreads or or Amazon, use that to ask questions to spur conversation. Or, you know, in, in some instances, like you said on, on the social media stuff, you know, go in and offer to people to do guest blog posts or guest interviews. I've even had, and this is, I found it strange, but really cool. I've had a, when I've offered this, I've had people ask me, can you provide us stuff that was in book one that hit the cutting room floor? Stuff that your editor or your publisher said, no, this is too long or this is too much or whatever. And so it's backstory about characters that are important and it's 500, 750, a thousand words and you, and you give it for free in this thing and, it, and, it, and people read it and they come back to me. And I've had people comment on the different characters and how they want to see, do I ever have a plan to write origin stories about a certain minor character or do I have a, a plan to, to allow for fan fiction about one of the characters you've made up? And I'm thinking to myself, like, I... I've got one book out guys. So like, you know, let me, let me get through the first saga and then we can have all these other conversations, but you don't want to stop that creative flow right? you just want to engage with them and let them do that. And then that begets additional word of mouth. Like you said, you mentioned the, the publisher. So talk to me a little bit about your situation with your book and that'll be a perfect segue then to talk about your book. Yeah, sure. So uh, my publisher is dragon moon press. Uh, they're a small, uh, publishing outlet in Canada. If you can't tell by the name Dragon Moon Press, it's it's a niche specific um, to uh, fantasy and sci-fi uh, with a with a big lean towards what I would describe as sword and sorcery and epic fantasy uh, stuff. And I've been working with them now over the last uh, uh, year or so. When when I had approached them about book one, they were the ones that told me that fantasy books don't usually have a start and stop. They usually go into series because you're doing so much world building that is important and fans expect it. Uh, so, you know, what I thought was going to be a, a one book deal turned into a four book deal. Uh, so the series will, um, you know, will conclude at the, the Warminster series, at least will conclude at the end of book four, which should come out sometime this time next year. Um, but, you know, the, the book, The Last Keepers is, um, you know, it's a, a classic sword and sorcery tale. So if you like Dungeons and Dragons or Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, uh, this is going to be in your wheelhouse. Yeah, absolutely. So tell the listeners uh, where they can find you and where they can pick up copies of your book and anything else that you want them to know to connect with you. Yeah, sure. So uh, mine's really simple. You come to my website uh, or go to dragonmoonpress.com. Uh, my website is jvhilliard, H-I-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at jvhilliardbooks or on Facebook at jvhilliard. Um, my books are found nearly ubiquitously. I mean, you can find them if you like eBooks, you want to download them from Amazon or Apple books or Barnes and Noble. You can, you can do it that way. If 
you want a paperback, you can order them print on demand from Amazon or get them from my publishing house. If you like the, the audio book, uh, you're going to find it on Audible and Scribed and, you know, you know, uh, Kobo Rakuten. You'll be able to get it everywhere, about 20 different uh, different uh, distribution channels for both um, hardbacks, ebooks, and then, of course, the audio book. Um, and last thing I'll, I'll leave you with is for those of you who are thinking about writing a book, just do it. You know, get get into it, even if you don't, even if you struggle with it. My my biggest struggle was my day job. I'm, I write all the time, but it's all nonfiction, right? I'm writing advocacy papers. I'm writing uh, position papers. I'm writing legislation, or I'm writing speeches. Learning how to write prose and pacing it, and all the kind of things you do in fiction is a talent, but not only do it, make it habitual, do it every day, make sure you sit down in front of your computer at least an hour, even if you're just outlining the next project and you, or you get two or three paragraphs done, you'll feel that it becomes like muscle memory. And then you'll miss it when you're not doing it. It's like not going to the gym. It's like, oh, I haven't gotten my writing in for today. You know, even when you're on vacation, you're thinking about what you're going to write, you know, and I find myself in those situations where it's become, because of that habit, it's become easier for me to be more prolific in the amount that I can write. So that's what I would leave uh, your listeners to. That is phenomenal advice. I, I I had a conversation. I don't remember with who just recently, but that same idea. I strongly believe that everybody can write a book. I'm not somebody who believes that it is something that's born in you. Probably some of us get the creativity a little bit easier come, but um, also, I want to just say I, I respect you for for writing all of that nonfiction, the advocacy, the legislation, all that kind of stuff, and then being able to write the fiction. Because for the very small amount of time I wrote for money, I was doing SEO kind of keyword generated writing, and it destroyed my soul faster than almost anything <laughs> I can think of. So. Well, that's you know, for me, it's it's I I, I feel your pain. I mean, uh, this the fiction writing is escapism, right? For me, I think what it does is it really helps you know, recharging the battery. I get to walk away from my day job and be somebody new. I even in my bio, I, my bio is written in a way where I'm a chronicler that belongs to the realm of Warminster. I'm not an author and this isn't where I went to school and this isn't my wife's name and all that kind of stuff. I made it so that I was part of the realm that I was in because I wanted it to be my escapism. And, um, you know, so it, as strange as that might sound, it helps me kind of recharge that battery. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound strange at all. I've got a I've got the novel that's with my agent actually. I've really thought about publishing it under the pseudonym of the main character for a couple <laughs> of reasons which I, I maybe will tell you offline but uh That's anyways. awesome. Yeah. So it was amazing talking with you. Um, I'm going to encourage all my listeners to go buy your books and then uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And, and thank you so much for all of the knowledge that you shared. My pleasure. And thanks for having me. I'd love to come back on at some point. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter, and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet.